Good Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast with Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Glad to have you along with us on this Wednesday as we continue our review of the Tennessee 2019 football season with a look ahead at 2020 and what the 2019 season means to the 2020 season. Again, we thank our friends at Blue Water Climate Control for um, their continued support of VolQuest.com and the podcast that we're doing there. Guys, let's get into this Tennessee uh, Chattanooga win. The Volunteers beat Chattanooga 45 to nothing. This game is a runaway, Jesse, from the get-go. Uh, Tennessee was in complete control. What's your biggest takeaway from this win as it pertains to this team moving forward? Well, I, as it pertains to this team moving forward, even though the competition uh, – was obviously not on the same level. And the fact that JG probably should have thrown an interception on the first play of the game. Um, he looked miles ahead of the two guys behind him. And no, we have not seen Harrison Bailey, but I think, you know, with, with the uh, COVID-19 and the layoff and, and the lack of spring practice, the guy who Jeremy Pruitt trusts the most, who after this game was like you guys in the media are giving yourself more credit than you deserve. And, you know, we're not really worried about a quarterback battle, you know, which is ironic because literally he benched him a week later, but that it's JG's is, is going to be the quarterback. And, and, you know, he, he made some plays in terms of moving around in the pocket in this game, uh, which I think is something he needs to kind of find again uh, in 2020, because a lot of times when he left that launch point um, was when he got himself into trouble. But in this game, he made, he made some, you know, big throws, whether it was a throw to Tillman or, or kind of moving around and finding that touchdown to Juwan in the first half. Yeah, I mean, it, when you look at this this game, um, Tom, it, you're right. Story, you talk about the, the right off the bat, the first play of the game is a scripted play, a pass meant to be thrown to Jawan Jennings. And I've held on to this one for months upon months. This was the frustration with the coaches early on last year. And, you know, it manifested itself even further once he freelanced at Alabama. He throws that, that deep ball go route to, to Callaway. Callaway was the decoy. He was not even they, – they repped that thing 50 times in practice. The ball goes to Jawan every time. And as you can watch on the, on, on the you know, television cut-up, Jawan comes free. He's going to pick up at least 17 yards, if not maybe score, because he, he's got the angle on the guy, the guy defending him. So uh, that's the frustration. He, he throws the deep ball. It almost gets picked off. Now they go down and score, you know, nice 13-yard run by Ty Chandler. Uh, you know, Tennessee, as Brent said, was, you know, took this thing from the word go and, and, and played well. But it's easy, you know, for a lot of the guys that don't necessarily normally factor to get up for Chattanooga. This isn't, you know, Oklahoma. This isn't South Carolina or Missouri or whoever. I mean, it's – it's 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 a lesser opponent, and it's easy to get for these type of games. You know, it's it's interesting, Rob, because I think if if Jared throws the pick on the first play, you, you you're not sure what's going to happen at that point. Does it change? Because as Jesse mentioned, a week later he he's taken off the field. They they make a change with with Florida. Uh, you look at that opening drive as Austin detailed. He threw it to the wrong guy, and then they didn't throw it again the rest of the drive. I mean, it was clearly like okay. Like, look, if you're not going to do what we say, dude, we'll just hand it off and we'll go get control of this game. Something they didn't do in week one, by the way, against Georgia State. They could do it in this Chattanooga game. But it is interesting. If that ball had been picked on the opening play, what Tennessee and what the coaching staff might have done there 
could have changed uh, a, you know, the course of how things played out this season, even though it still played out in an unusual fashion with the quarterback revolving door the way it did. Yeah, and I think that if, if nothing else, an AP story is great, but just the way that that drive played out that you're talking about, I mean, it, it gave credence to something that we were – you know, all of us were already thinking that, hey, Jeremy's not in love with Jared Guarantano, despite, you know, the stories about coming over and having apple pie in, in January. It, I don't know if you left that game film. I don't I don't think you necessarily felt like there was a quarterback controversy, but you left that game, I, I think, feeling like, you know, he didn't exactly have an iron-clad grip on the job. No, yeah, but I do think. But, but he did go he seven watched, of eight. Watched, no, he went seven of eight. He, he went seven of eight against Patsy, whereas Shrout Mauer, I think Mauer didn't complete a pass, and Shrout was like three of nine. You know, I mean, it can get worse, and I think that's kind of the takeaway is that again, JG, his ceiling perhaps is not as high as as Harrison Bailey, uh, or even those you know that that are in the Tennessee fan base that really like Brian Mauer. But the floor is, and and that's what I think this game showed, and I think that's why ultimately, you know, Pruitt and the staff went back to JG time and again as this season unfolded, and why he, you know, is going to enter whenever this 2020 season happens, uh, you know, w- with a, I think a pretty firm grip on the job. I think the other takeaway hubs is, you know. Um, you know, some guys flash. You, you continue to see the awareness and just natural ability uh, of a guy like Toa Toa in this game. You know, he knifes in the backfield for a big TFL, has a pass breakup. You know, Kavaris Crouch made some plays off the edge. Um, Darnell Wright, and this is something we could discuss. I mean, you know, depending on what happens with the offensive line, Darnell Wright, you know, flashed a little bit actually at guard. He did not play a ton of other guard the rest of this season, but you saw some young guys starting to kind of assert themselves in this game uh, that actually had staying power, not the Jeremy Banks two interceptions, never hear from him again. You know, uh, it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say Henry T, Jesse, that's what I had highlighted and made a little note of as I was watching, you know, watching through that he really, I mean, starting like with the first series, defensive series of the game showed up. And, you, you know, it's Chattanooga, yeah, but – you can see, I mean, there's an 18-year-old kid that, that looks like an SEC linebacker. Well, I, well, think, the biggest, I think the biggest difference in, in some of these guys, and, you know, Jesse brings up Jeremy Banks. I, Jeremy Banks, that was self-inflicted. That wasn't a football thing where he didn't show up again. That was just self-inflicted because, you know, he makes stupid decisions. Whereas Shannon Reed, who led the team in tackles, that's the guy that steps up in this type of game and you never hear from again. Yeah, you certainly have those cases in there, you know, with that. I, I thought I, w- I want to go back to the to the Darnell Wright to guard uh, in this game and, and, and K-Ron Calvert. Give, give, do you think there's a chance that that's a real look for Tennessee when they get back? I, I think they would have experimented with that maybe some in spring practice now that there's not a spring practice. Do you think that they look at flip-flopping those guys, or do you think Darnell Wright is a tackle all the way for Tennessee with Calvert playing inside because of his physicality? I mean, I think I think Tennessee really liked for certain what they what they saw from Calvert at right tackle. I mean, I think that was maybe one of the more pleasant surprises of the second half of the season. But don't you think that so much of that depends on what happens with Cade? Yeah, if if yeah if if Cade. If Kate is eligible, Austin, then that means it's Calbert and Darnell Wright battling out at right tackle, right? Well, one would imagine. Um, 
you know, obviously Cade played a little bit of everywhere at Georgia, so I guess there's some there's some flexibility there. You know, Trey wants to stay at guard. He doesn't want to bounce out anywhere. I mean, you know, where do they want to play Cade? You know, do they want to play him at guard or do they want to just kind of have him, you know, be that guy that, you know, we just plug wherever because he, he has been able to play at different spots. Um, obviously, Wanye's the left tackle once he gets back, gets healthy. Um, but, I mean, you're right. If Cade is eligible, that's a great problem to have. For, for, for Will Friend, Jim Chaney, and the entire offensive staff uh, of depth, something they didn't, you know, they did not sure did not have two years ago. And, and, and you know, it got better last year, but it would really improve uh, if Cade's eligible this year. Well, they played some, they played, you know, Carvin got some use at, at uh, who we, a name that we haven't mentioned yet. Jerome Carvin got some, some time in this game as a jumbo tight end. And I do think whoever's going to be so the Lockley out. Yeah, and who I think whoever's going to be the odd man out, and Lockler's another good example of that. Whoever's going to be, whoever's not going to be in that starting five, I think with the concern around who's going to also line up at tight end with Austin Pope, I think you may see more jumbo packages this fall for Tennessee. Now you obviously are likely to be more predictable, uh, but not necessarily. I mean, you can max protect some out of those looks. You don't necessarily have to run. You just keep an extra guy in there to block. But, you know, if, if there's not confidence at Princeton fan or Jacob Warner, whoever can hold up in the run game, and you saw a lot in this game as well, how much they continue to run behind 81, um, you're going to need two, though. Dominique Wood Anderson was actually pretty good in this game. And, and so, you know, I think a jumbo tight end uh, for whoever, whether it's Cade, Carvin, Locklear, whoever doesn't make the starting lineup could be an interesting spot for some guys to get some playing time. Well, i tell you what, I, I, I think it's a real possibility this fall. And of course, you're, you're forecasting here, so a lot, hundred different scenarios could happen. But you know, for a guy like Locklear, but more specifically for a guy like Jerome Carvin, who realistically probably should have redshirted two years ago, if Cade is eligible, and you feel, and, and you've got Locklear as a backup at guard, and you've got you know other guys that can play center, and obviously you've got some flexibility at tackle with three bodies there, uh, not counting Cade who can flex out and play tackle some. Um, I think Jerome Carvin's a perfect candidate for four, four, four games and done. You know, redshirt him, keep him around. Uh, that just makes a ton of sense to me if Tennessee is uh, at you know full strength along the offensive line. It certainly feels like the right side of that offensive line has got, I don't want to say a log jam, but there, there's a lot of bodies there that can do a lot of different things when you talk about Locklear, you talk about Cade if he's eligible, you're talking about Carvin, you're talking about Darnell Wright. I mean, those are four guys who have played significant amounts of football, significant snaps of football for you on the right side, uh, who are going to be battling for two spots. Uh, so, so that's going to be an interesting competition, a competition that's limited by the fact that this team did not have 15 practices uh, this spring, but is a good situation for Tennessee to be in. And it's a situation where it's okay that they didn't have practices this spring at there because they've got enough bodies to find two out of that four that you feel comfortable with. Where you don't have that situation is necessarily inside linebacker. Daniel Petuli only had two tackles in this game, but upon rewatch, it was clear how much he was lining people up and making the adjustments in this game. I know the commentators talked about it, but every time you watched, he's the one who's walking up and down the defensive line, Jesse. He's turning and talking to the safeties. This is where this defense started to really marry itself together, front end to back end, 
when Batuli returned to the field this week, even though the competition wasn't very good. Yeah, and you saw kind of the same thing from McCullough in the second half, I thought. You know, McCullough was lining up a lot of the younger guys, which, you know, uh, teased a little bit about his role later on. But you're right. I mean, who's going to line up next to him now uh, this next fall? That's one of the biggest, you know, unknowns. Is, is it going to be J.J. Peterson? Where does Kravaris Crouch, who Crouch actually made some plays in this game, you know, actually with his hand in the dirt, you know, not even as a stand-up guy, but was almost playing like a true defensive end. Now, he ran out of the rush lane a couple of times, too, and kind of sh- showcases an experience there. Uh, but, you know, no, Shannon Reed's not on the roster anymore. This was effectively the end of Will Ignott. He um, picks up a personal foul in this game, you know, got got benched and then was not on the travel roster a week later at Florida. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's the, – the, the, the you know, another, I think, just kind of overarching takeaway hubs from this game, which is kind of – funny to even say but when you rewatch it the defensive line did not actually showcase very well in my opinion they didn't make a lot of plays I thought it was the Batuli and Toa Toa and even you know again Shannon Reed the led the team in tackles but I thought those guys uh were kind of the leaders on the group and for this unit to not even showcase that well against a you know FCS team but for them to then become a formidable group not a dominant group but a, a, a serviceable to formidable group late in the season against the SEC team is is kind of remarkable because that was not the case the first you know couple weeks of the season you, Jesse you that's probably what point. jumped out the most to me about this game was how much better that group got as you I mean Chattanooga had 150 yards rushing in in the yeah. game which you know, you go back to the end of the year. I mean, by the time we got to November, December, SEC teams weren't getting 150 yards against this group. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you totally. They, you know, there's not maybe, maybe not a ton of NFL guys up there, but they and, and give Tracy Rocker credit for developing those guys. They improved so much from from this game from September, and you know, the Georgia State game gave up over 200 yards on the ground, gave up 150 yards to Chattanooga. For look at those numbers and for what they did against, um, you know, Missouri, you know, Kentucky to end the year and and really seal some wins. I mean, those those guys really improved dramatically. I thought there were a couple of instances where uh, you know, a guy like Kayvon Bennett got off the edge and was just you know a hair from from either a strip sack or or, or being able to get there. And the, and I thought the, the quarterback for Chattanooga on a couple of different instances specifically. You know, stepped up, was able to make a play with his legs. Now that's lost contain, you know, at the second le- and the mid level. But at the same time, um, you know, they 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 did. I, they showed flashes to me. Granted, they got gashed on the ground, but as far as trying to get to the quarterback, a guy like Kayvon Bennett started. You know, I thought showed in this game. He he was getting closer and closer, and as the season went along, he did get better and better. You know, look, I'm with you, Austin. Looking back on, if you look at the first three games. And you didn't see it at the time because Tennessee lost those first two games. And, you know, everybody's talking about one and eight or one and six or whatever it is. But you look and you see a guy like Kayvon Bennett, uh, Jesse, who who's making a little pro- you see a little more progress with him kind of week to week. But you you don't see that kind of progress really with a guy like Trayvon Flowers, who I thought struggled all the, the first three weeks of the season, didn't play particularly well. There's a book you can tell getting out on Warren Burrell here the last couple of weeks. I mean, Chattanooga couldn't, you know, their quarterback couldn't throw the football, but 
the slant he had a hard time handling. I didn't I didn't think Burrell was physical in this game in the run game, getting off blocks to kind of hold the edge a little bit. So it's interesting knowing how the season ends to see kind of who's starting to emerge a little bit and, and who's not emerging. And those are three guys that jumped out to me. Bennett going the right yeah. way, but Burrell and, and, and Flowers not necessarily going the right direction. <clears throat> The irony is Bennett didn't even play. He played, you know, he made an impact, but on very minimal snaps. He played less than 10 snaps in this game, looking it up uh, you know, on some of the other notes. But he, I, I agree with the Burrell point. You know, Kenneth George got a ton of run, run in this game because Alante was effectively benched after what happened at the end of BYU, um, which was notable. The other guy that flashed, and again, we'll see what kind of jump can he make in 2020. We know that Tennessee needs pass rush help opposite of Kayvon Bennett. I mentioned Crouch, but Roman Harrison got a lot of playing time in this game. Um, he's kind of the Tasmanian devil. You know, he, he's just kind of out there running around wild. Where does he fit? I, I think that's still a huge unknown, uh, not only for us, I mean, for the coaches. I, I think the staff is still trying to grapple with. Where do we play Roman Harrison? He's not overly long. You know, can he be a kind of, I'm not saying he's going to be this guy's, but can he be kind of like an Elvis Doomerville type guy who's a shorter, you know, shorter arm, but quick twitch guy off the edge because he doesn't have that, the length that's kind of prototypical out there. He's going to be one of the more interesting guys to follow once training camp happens because, you know, he played uh, a decent amount in this game, saw some more time in Florida, and then his playing time seemed to kind of wane uh, depending on the week, can he become kind of a consistent extra guy in that you know outside linebacker rotation, or do they decide to play him inside? I don't, I don't know. I think that's a big question mark. Yeah, and Austin, I think another question mark is back on the offensive side of the ball. How does Jay Graham manage that running back rotation? Okay, because let's assume everybody comes back at this point, uh, but because of you know there's no spring practice and and you know guys you know maybe don't have the opportunity to transfer some of the things that they thought they would do so how does he manage Chandler Jordan and Gray in this game there was more Jordan than we had seen in previous games there was a little bit less Gray in terms of the number of carries he got Chandler with with 10 carries in his game I think that rotation how much does Jay want to rotate what they do at that running back position because to me, in the first part of the season, they were kind of grasping at straws to figure out what that rotation was. Well, because, you know, obviously you go back, you know, Ty shows flashes the first few weeks, but, you know, they, they're trying to work Tim Jordan in. Gray showed flash the first, you know, two weeks, and then all of a sudden this game starts to disappear more um, and, and would and would really just be invisible, the, you know, for the next, you know, six or seven games um, for the most part. So, you know, you're right. I think for Jay, um, you know – I think looking at his history, he likes guys that can slash. Um, so that lends itself to me to be, you know, three and eight, um, you know, and, and we'll see what they do when they need a, a bigger back. You know, do they do they give Crouch that role still? Um, can Tim Jordan find a niche? I'm hearing he's up, you know, right around 220 pounds right now, which is, you know, a nice jump for him. And then, uh, you know, what what do any of these freshmen, the bigger backs, whether it be T. Hodge or any of those guys, can can they come in and, and find a niche as as the big back um, in in short yard situations? You know, Rob, here's a crazy thought. W- what about Tim Jordan with a little H back work if he gets two twenty five, two thirty? I mean, he he's a pretty physical guy in terms of pass protection. Could you find a little bit of help there 
not as a true tight end, but could you play him a little H back there and, and get kind of that two tight end set, you know, w- w- with the possibility if he gets a little bit bigger? I think that's something that could be worth watching. Well, yeah, well. I don't think that's out of the question at all. And it's more, I mean, I think that's more a reflection of where Tennessee is at the tight end position than about Jordan. And just as we've talked about a lot behind Austin Pope, you, you don't know what you've got. So, I, I mean, I, I certainly – I mean, AP's been on here, and I, and I don't disagree advocating for Jameer Johnson to be a jumbo tight end. I mean, so that, I mean, that kind of tells you where Tennessee is at with that, you know, blocking tight end, H back, you know, whatever that the eleventh guy is. So, well, it's I, also I just a, a huge blow that Sean Brown and, and those guys that you know Jackson Lowe they they didn't get to go through spring this year. I mean, like they needed to have the 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 big step in spring, and now you know they're going into fall camp, you know, with where they were last year as far as on-field production, as far as experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, of all the positions on the field there and the wide receiver, I think, are, you know, it is, it's a level play, level playing field for everybody in college football. But for Tennessee, tight end, wide receiver were two, two spots that you really need to, I think, sort some things out in spring ball. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right at that position. I mean, I, you could say inside linebacker, but Crouch wasn't going to be there anyway. Um, maybe safety there, but but I think offensively, when you look at everything, you know who your bodies are that you're going to line up with at wide receiver. Okay, you don't know Jesse who the bodies are at tight end. You, just, you I mean outside of Austin Pope, you're just not sure of anybody back behind him. So you got to get creative there, and not having the 15 or, or not having the days this spring that that's probably the biggest detriment for Jim Cheney's development aside from. I guess maybe getting Harrison Bailey just the work that he needed. But in terms of this team for this fall, the shortcomings at tight end not getting their work this spring might be the biggest, you know, the biggest disappointment for, for them on offense. Yeah, I mean, outside, I, I, I agree with the fact that they, they have a handle on at least who the receivers are probably going to be. And, and considering several of those guys were not going to be here for spring practice because they're going to have to count on some freshmen. They didn't, they weren't missing a stuff there. Now, how much time they miss as we continue to go on. I do think that's a group that needs to build some chemistry with JG, but there's no question that tight end is the single biggest question mark, just in terms of unknowns, bodies, who's even going to be in the mix, uh, you know, heading into 2020 on offense. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this. The play, one of the funniest plays from this game was Brandon Kennedy's just like, hilarious egregious hold literally right in front of the referee that the referee missed when Kennedy got beat and started two hand grabbing the guy's shirt. That was among one of the funnier plays of the season. I mean, a week ago we had the BYU guy throwing Jarrett Garantown at a shoe. And then this week we got Kennedy getting beat so badly. He's getting dragged. Like he's about to go sledding or skiing and the referee just completely missed it. I mean, that was a pretty funny play. And a stunning development. An SEC official missed something pretty blatant that happened right in front of them. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it happens, you know, for, for Tennessee, as we, as we wrap it up here, th- this game, you know, a feel good game, maybe, um, you know, you win easily exercise some ghosts, kind of get the monkey off your back a little bit, that, that type of thing. But I do think when, again, when you put it in the context of knowing how the rest of the season plays out, this was an important game for some guys, Kenneth George, this was a big game for him. You, you know, I think there are some guys on this team, uh, K-Ron Calvert getting the reps he got and getting some confidence from this. I do think while it's a 45 nothing, yeah, okay, whatever, non-competitive game, for some individuals, there was some, there was some real positives that came out of this game 
that show up later in the season for this team. Nigel Warrior, one that jumps out for me. I mean, I'm yeah, not, makes, I'm, makes the interception, you know. Made a football play, right, Rob? A week after he, you know, had a heavy hand in, in, in the last-minute last meltdown against BYU. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, having an interception against Chattanooga is a huge thing, but, I mean, I, I don't think after the BYU game any, any of us thought that, that he was going to be a first-team All-SEC safety. And I think you kind of see him start to turn the corner a little bit against Chattanooga. The, and, and the last thing for me, Austin, when you look at this, is uh, th- we get this question all the time. You get why why Jeremy Pruitt wants Jeremy Banks back on his football team. Okay? It, well, yeah, it, it, he, he's it, a because, player. Yeah, I mean, he didn't know what he was doing in this game. Still, he was athletically better than his competition and made plays. He is, he is good enough as a football player to help this program somewhere if he can get back on this team. Uh, whenever this team reconvenes. You understand that why when you rewatch this game, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he's still super green, super inexperienced, just a guy that, you know, is really raw in a lot of uh, aspects, especially playing on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, uh, you know, t- talent does take over, and, and you know, he's he's got a nose for the ball. He's got some instincts. And, and you know, for Jeremy Banks, you know, you know, more than anything, you just hope the kid's kind of, you know, figured things out in his own life. And if that results in him coming back and then playing at Tennessee again, uh, you know, that that's big for Tennessee and, and big for Jeremy. And if not, then you just hope he kind of, you know, keeps his nose clean and, and, and continues to go to school. Yeah, want to say quickly to our friends at Blue Water Climate Control, thanks again for your support of the podcast. And for those out there uh, in need of any kind of servicing for their uh, air conditioning or heating unit as we bounce back and forth this time of year, air conditioned one day, heating the next day. Please check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. They can uh, work on your system from an allergy standpoint to help you there. They also have the smooth sailing service plan. You can contact them and get more information about that. It's a great plan that gives you all kinds of options to help you uh, prepare for later on down the road if you need to replace your unit, but also you get a discount on any repair that you have to do. Uh, You get your semi-annual checkups uh, for your system as well as um, access and no overtime fees for weekend and after-hour emergencies. That's the smooth sailing uh, plan that is uh, taking place at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at 865-299-2290, or you can visit them online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. They're also on Twitter, at BlueH2O underscore climate. That's Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubbs. That's going to do it for this look back at the Chattanooga game and what it meant for the rest of the season and what it means for next year for this Tennessee football team. Next week, we'll tackle into uh, the gauntlet that is the SEC for this Tennessee football team. But that does it for this edition of the podcast. Don't forget, we'll have the mailbag edition on Friday. Thanks for joining us and have a great day, everybody.